0: Don't touch me, old man. I don't know where you've been. (laughs) Oh, Sal, Uh, no uh, one uh, could uh, take uh, a joke like you. Of course I'll help you out. Really? Certainly. No way is anybody gonna hurt my pal Sal. That's it. That's what I want to see. A nice big
1: smile. junk food supper 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 junk
2: food supper junk food supper junk food supper welcome to junk food junk supper food this is the weekly podcast uh more or less except for the one week out of the month where we take a break um Talk, we talk about crazy stuff here. We review movies. We don't have a set intro. Uh, that's the kind of podcast this is. I am Parker, joined as always by Sean Byron in LA. And this week we are joined by our friend Hatless Jackson Stewart, uh, the director of Beyond the Gates, oh. which today uh, is celebrating its sixth anniversary on Blu-ray, by the way. Today oh,
0: no I saw shit. It. I saw
2: that on Facebook.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for alerting me of that. I I was totally oblivious. So that's, uh, (laughs) that's nice to know. Um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, well, thank you for the the warm intro, but I, um, yeah, I'm I'm a bit under the weather right now, which you guys can probably hear. So I will, uh, forge ahead and do my best to be witty in in spite of this, uh, here head cold. So good times.
3: Well, it's a pretty low bar that you'll have to clear on this <laughs> podcast to stand out with your wittiness, so I, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, you know, you're, you're not alone. Um, I'm feeling not down in a physical way, but I am feeling the weight of the world this week. I, I don't know, is it, is it just me or, or do things for our future just feel a little bit dire? I don't know.
0: Uh, I would say so. <laughs> it definitely seems pretty dire. Like we were, was talking to a friend of mine right before, um, hopping on here with you guys. And he was just like, Oh, they're just going to pay these. They're just going to have AI write these first drafts and then, um, do all this sketchy stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I could a hundred percent see that happening. So, um, yeah. Who knows? But I would. I love being pleasantly surprised. Um, we'll see, though, I suppose.
2: Yeah,
3: I mean, the AI stuff is scary. You've got, you know, uh, like heads of research from Google and all these big companies like quitting over it. And, you know, that's, that's one thing. But I think also just like, I don't know, the fact that it's been sprinkling rain on, on and off on occasion in Los <laughs> Angeles, that's really got me down as well.
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, no that's it yeah it's very strange to like have uh some autumn weather in the middle of spring. Um but who knows? Maybe maybe it'll all work out for the next generation.
2: Mm-hmm. Between all this artificial intelligence and the rain in LA, we're basically living in Blade Runner. I could see that.
0: <laughs> hey,
3: I, then I should not be complaining. <laughs> that's, that's been my goal this entire time. Mm-hmm.
0: I do have you to mean- say on the blade runner front, I was just thinking about this. It was like, they really did nail that, that tortoise on its back thing in the hot sun and have like the AI can't figure out or rather the, you know, these uh, replicants can't figure out that that's a bad thing and you got to flip it over. Cause All this AI artwork that I've been seeing, I was just like, God, this just looks wrong. You know, it's like, it's like unable to figure out humanity and in some way. So pretty interesting.
3: I do wonder about that stuff, though. Like you see, there's all these news stories this past week about AI generated pizza commercial and AI generated beer commercial. And and I watch these things and I... I wonder, to what extent do we mean AI generated? Like, I don't think a guy just sat down at ChatGPT and said, make me a commercial. I, I think he said a lot of very specific prompts yeah. to generate something that was already in his head, and then the computer gets kind of comically close to what was in his head, but just off enough that it creates this kind of funny, uncanny valley
0: kind of thing. Yeah, that, that thing was, the stills I saw of that were absolutely horrifying I it, like, it is
3: terrifying when you watch it yeah <laughs> it's,
0: it's like if this is the competition i don't think we have anything to worry about but um who knows maybe they'll figure out what teeth look like at some point <laughs> although i would like <laughs> to see what david lynch could generate with one of these chat gpts you know what I mean? i'd be i'd be curious to see where where his mind would go with that it does not. It's, it does not feel like a very zen thing to do, though. So he would. I think he'd probably avoid it, or maybe he wouldn't. I have no idea. He's got to
3: do something now that he's not giving me his weather update every morning at eight in the morning. Yeah did he
0: did he tap out on that? Yeah, I think he stopped once Angelo died. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. So um, understandable though. He's. He's a one-of-a-kind, you know? There's a lot of good Lynch stuff up on the Criterion channel right now, and I
3: watched – there's a documentary called Lynch, and then in parentheses the word one, Lynch One. Uh, wow. That's, like, basically about the making of um, Inland Empire and kind Ooh. of his explorations with digital cameras and, and all that stuff that I hated about in, in Inland Empire, you know, they kind of talk about. But pretty good documentary if you haven't seen it. Like, it's cool to see – his work process. It's cool to see him smoking a million cigarettes and then just throwing them on the ground in his office, and his floor is just littered with cigarettes.
0: Wow. Um, but yeah. It's, it's very shocking to me he's a smoker. He seems like he'd be like Mr. Healthy.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think that he, I don't know that he eats all that healthy either, right? I mean, he, he loves coffee, and I think he still likes to have, you know, like a. Mm-hmm slice a cherry pie with a scoop of ice cream and all that kind of stuff. Like his favorite restaurants are like Bob's big boy and Dupars, So
0: <laughs> it's very it strangely fitting and also very shocking at the same time. He's making it work for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Inland empire. I'd be, I'd be kind of curious to rewatch that. Apparently they cleaned it up big time. So,
3: yeah, but is that what you want? Do you want it to be cleaned up? Like, as much as I was complaining about how shitty it looked when it was made, it's like, well, that's that's was the movie that they made. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, mm, TBD. I'll I'll watch both versions.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the
0: only sane approach. Spend Absolutely. six hours
3: of, of your life watching this movie <laughs> that's not that
2: great.
0: <laughs> Done it before. Um. Well, good times.
2: I like David Lynch. I'm gonna be honest with you
0: <laughs> That can be the new drop there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just clean it up. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll redo. I'll redo all my David Lynch drops, like they're redoing his movie.
0: Oh, <clears throat> I I would well, sign up for soccer. that.
2: Uh, well, would you sign up for this? It's the first segment on uh, tonight's episode. Tonight we're gonna be talking about a movie called uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, and in honor of this, well, I, gu- I guess maybe you should introduce this. This this segment uh, is, your, is your thing. You came up with it, Sean Byron.
3: Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, well, I guess you are correct. Uh, this is my segment, so I, I should <laughs> intro it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought maybe a good way to kill time here at the top of the show would be to just chat about uh, comic book to film adaptations. So we're going to do our patented segment, the good, the bad and the ugly that is original to us, you know, that we invented and it's not based on any existing properties. Uh, but we'll be talking about, you know, a few movies each that are based on existing properties. Now I restricted myself on my list to U S movies only, uh, cause I feel like if, if we go worldwide, like everybody's just going to include Akira as their good because you know, it's, it's probably the, the best adaptation of a, of a manga. Um, and I mean, o- overall our list would probably just be all Japanese cause these Japanese are nuts about adapting their comics to screen. Uh, but I yeah. stuck with U S stuff. What about you guys?
2: Well, I, I think, Everybody kind of knows where I stand on my comic books. Like, I like Captain America, and I dislike Zack Snyder. So, like, in in order to not sound redundant in the stuff that everybody already knows that I like, I'm doing mine specifically geared towards you and what I would recommend to you, Sean Byron.
3: Okay. Or not Hmm. recommend. Hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, I think that you've got a lot of room to make recommendations, because I haven't seen any of these new Marvel movies. I mean, the most recent one that I've seen, I think was what, Thor Part 2, uh, maybe? Uh, oh, wow.
2: Thor 3, yeah. Yeah, we was saw Three. It the, okay, yeah. yeah. But that yes. was a long time ago, so
3: yeah. It's a very long time ago. <laughs> um, never seen any of the Avengers, never seen so many of these new Marvels, but... Marvel's are not the only superhero movies out there, you know, and, and and superhero movies are not the only comic book movies actually, you know, now that we think about it. So,
0: um,
3: I might be able to surprise you with with some of the stuff on this list.
0: Hmm. Intriguing. Yeah. I mean, I kind of kept mine more in the superhero vein, but I mean, there's certainly stuff like, you know, ghost world and several others that probably would have, weaseled their way onto it. But um, yeah, whenever I hear comic book, I generally just think of superhero stuff. So um, maybe my flub there, but so it goes.
3: I mean, to give a few examples of things that I didn't pick, um, but would technically be comic book movies, I guess, you know, like you could have picked a Tales from the Crypt movie. Oh, oh yeah. It's yeah! Technically, a comic book movie. Weird Science is even technically a comic book movie. I mean, that'd what? be a, a weird Fredo pick, but it is. Yeah, I guess technically based on a comic. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> I don't well, know. It's, it's isn't that like one of the old EC comics as well?
2: Yeah, one of the old EC comics was called Weird Science, but the actual plot of that movie is
3: oh. it's probably original, or yeah. maybe it's like slightly based on some old comic. I don't know. Not a computer dating thing from. You know the 1940s or 50s or whatever, but you know would have been something. I don't know who knows. Um, but the, yeah, there's there's a lot of borderline comic book movies. But what I'm more interested in is is what did Weasel its way onto your list, Jackson? Let's hear your good.
0: My good, I had to do a two way split between Batman 89 and Superman 78, just because they were pretty much the most formative movies for me as a youngster. And um, I feel like they've gotten sort of bashed in recent years for whatever reason. And uh, I'm here to stand up against that. Um, I love the Prince soundtrack in Batman 89. I love the actors, just the gorgeous production design. My boy, Michael Keaton. Um you know, even even Mister Robert Wool has grown on me a bit, and um, for Superman, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's like they nailed that property the first time out, and they can't seem to figure it out for whatever reason. Um, in recent years, I mean, maybe maybe James Gunn will turn that around, but um, I've found it very odd that they can't. Just sort of look at what they did the first time and um, build off of that. Um, those are my two good. I could plug way more in, but I'm gonna just leave it with those those dudes.
2: I feel like you're preemptively uh, defending these movies uh, to me because I,
0: <laughs> oh, I, don't I like definitely um <laughs> You don't like either of them. I do not know. I knew it.
2: Wow. <laughs> I think I that think Tim Burton Batman movie is... It's got more Robert Wall than it has Bruce Wayne in it, which is a real shame. <laughs> and that Superman Fair. movie has the absolute worst ending a movie could ever have in the history of cinema. And it drives me nuts every time You're I watch it.
3: You're talking about the flying around Earth thing?
2: Flying around Earth, which, not scientifically feasible. That would not do time travel. And... It's not set up in any way. It's just like a like the purest DS uh ex Deus machina. Ex machina. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's and and yeah, and then and then like it, it didn't he like do it again in like part two or like the Donner cut of part two or something the like Donner that. The
0: like Donner cut of part two, he did he <laughs> did repeat that. <laughs> it's and,
3: crazy. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was never done in the comic books. I mean, I I haven't read it every single appearance of Superman in DC fiction. And, you know, granted, he did a lot of crazy shit, you know, especially if he was hopped up on red kryptonite or whatever. (laughs) But I don't think this is from the comics. If it was, I would give it a pass of just like, yeah, it's dumb, but the comics are dumb and that's, you know, what they included.
0: I I like dumb comic book stuff like that, though. You know, I mean, it's like, to me, that's the big sort of draw of it is, you know, you have... Of like the Green Goblin get resurrected after he, you know, brutally died like 30 years prior and you're like, oh, it was all this, you know, made up nonsense that they brought him back. It was all part of his master plan. Like, I, I like that kind of insane storytelling. Um, and from, I, you know, I mean, it's it's also too, it's just some of these things you see him at the right age and it just doesn't, it, it, it'll never ping with me in the way that I think it, it would with uh, you guys. And that's kind of the, the magic and wonder of cinemas. You know, we can all, we can all sort of be right about the same uh, movie, you know? Um, but it makes sense. You're what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's maybe like a silver age thing where Superman could like punch planets out of, out of <laughs> their orbit. <laughs> yeah. um, Cause that, that was a, thing at one point but um i think you could vibrate through
3: walls as well like the flash can like you yes. can do pretty, pretty much anything that any superhero could do like superman could also do yeah and they kept kind of
0: building that to like this sort of ludicrous degree where they had to scale it back because it was just like well there isn't even a like a threat to this guy you know so um it's a good deal but you know I love I love my boy Marlon Brando as uh Jor-El. I love Christopher Reeve um I'm 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 standing by it All right but you know that's that's fair and, and that's your purview I
3: I think I'm about halfway between you two guys where I like that first Batman movie I mean, it's not my number one favorite Batman movie but I think it's pretty damn good. I mean, Jack's yeah. great in it, you know, the he's, a, he's awesome. Set designs are cool. The music is great. You know, it's good. It, it finally captured that 1930s kind of art deco feel that I want to always totally. see in, in my Batman's, you know, that had been kind of absent even from the comics at that point in time. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I think, I think Batman's great. Superman, I never liked it as a movie. I I, it's weird because I think it does capture the tone of Superman pretty well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the cast is really good. Um, but I, I, as a movie, it's like, it almost feels like it was made by a Kryptonian or, or, or something (laughs) where it's like, have you seen a movie before? Like, this is not how movies like are made. And it's the tone just kind of jumps around a bunch. And I don't know. Um,
0: it definitely t- has some very dark Stuff in it You know, which um, I guess they reverse it But it's um, I hear you You know, I think I think it's definitely valid um, But I don't know I, I It's just one that's like always Kind of stuck with me And um, But so it goes, we can all, we can all have our own opinions here on junk food supper.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course. Unless, some, unless mm-hmm. somebody talks about they like uh, Zack Snyder movies, then we're just <laughs> well, going to cut it off. Th-
3: there's at least one Zack Snyder movie that I don't know, might, might be a good superhero movie. might be on this. Who knows? I don't know. Well,
2: so. yeah, there's one, there's one good one at least. Um, but uh, well, I'll, I'll get to my good here. Yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> And like I said, these are kind of geared towards you, Sean, because I know you don't watch a lot of these movies, uh, and no one wants to hear me just gush about Captain America more. Um, so my good that I think you would like, and I've, I have actually mentioned this before, but um, I think that you, being a fan of animation, I think that you would really enjoy Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which has uh, this crazy animation style. It looks mm. like a, a comic book uh on screen. Like, I don't know. It's amazing. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, there's, like, a weird frame rate to it that kind of emulates, like, the flipping through pages. They they have, like, the ink dots, like, kind of, like, um, you know, that you would see on, on some of the older comics.
3: You're talking about zip tone. There you go. Ooh. Yeah, like those little,
2: yeah, the, the little dots. Um, and, and it's just, like, this amazing, you know, I think that you could just sit back, even if you're not into the Spider-Man part of it. Which I think you would be, because it's a very good story. Um, but even if you didn't like that part, I think that uh, as an aficionado and an appreciator of good animation that you would find enjoyment in this movie. Um, so yeah. And I, I believe you like this movie as well, right, Jackson? Um,
0: wait, say, sorry. Say the last uh, sentence of that. I was I was loudly blowing my nose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You enjoy Into the Spider-Verse, right? You think Oh, it's yeah, it's
0: terrific. I mean, it's... Um, it's crazy innovative too. I mean, I, I saw it, um, I might've seen it opening night actually, but I remember just being really impressed with it. And they, they, the story is great. The kid playing miles is terrific. And the way they sort of blend everything together is just very, very smart and poignant. And, um, I'm, really curious to see the second one if they can top it or match it or what have you but Sean I think you probably like that movie quite a bit
3: I believe it's also probably free to me I'm I'm guessing that that is on Disney
0: Plus probably maybe so I think they added it on there Um, I'm not 100% sure but pretty sure I'll check this
3: out I mean I'm not gonna pay any money for it but if I can get this for free uh yeah, I, I would like to check this out. I've Excellent. heard nothing but good things. I, I don't think there's anybody out there who has said, oh, that movie sucks.
0: Well, even people that aren't really into those, I mean, frankly, it's like a lot of the more recent stuff I'm not so into, but that movie really, really just pulls it off and is pretty spectacular. Will there no be, be references
3: intended? to things from the comics that come from an era that I... Lived through and, and read some of definitely. like some yeah, I mean, Carnage Venom type stuff, or is it all kind um, of weird? Like, who's this? This Miles guy, Miles Morales? Like, I all that stuff. I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are talking
0: about. Well, <laughs> they some of it is a lot of it's newer, but I mean, there's definitely stuff you'll remember from you know. I mean, like when I was reading superhero books regularly, it was you know like the late '90s into early 2000s, but there's definitely stuff from that era that if you uh, watch it, you'll you'll certainly catch.
2: Yeah. Okay. It, it's about Miles, but Peter Parker's also in it. Uh, Spider-Ham is in there.
3: Mm-hmm. I do like uh, Spider-Ham.
2: <laughs> and, of course, uh, Spider-Man Noir, uh, as played by Nick Cage, your favorite actor on Earth.
3: Yep. I like the sound of that.
2: So it's pretty fun. It's on Hulu right now.
3: Oh, I already have Hulu, so I was planning on signing up for Disney Plus to watch that Mandalorian, which I think the season's probably finished by now, but uh, maybe I can continue to defer that.
2: As somebody who's seen the first three episodes of the new Mandalorian, I think that you should defer that.
3: Did you watch Andor? Because I I still haven't seen that either. Like, just from a distance, that Andor
0: show looked kind of crummy to me, but everybody loves it, I guess.
2: I I haven't seen that. Everyone I've
0: talked to has said it's phenomenal. And I mean, like they're people that are very hard to please. So I'm, and not people that are just sort of blanket praising fanboy stuff. Um, I'm very curious about it. I actually might give that a a whirl this evening, but um, I've heard from enough people that I trust that, that the show is pretty terrific. So We'll see.
3: Well, and if it's not, there's no shortage of other new Star Wars
0: stuff coming down the pipeline. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they're. Yeah, I'm curious what. um, I'm curious if they're ever going to do another theatrical movie again. It seems like they just keep punning that every every couple years or so.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I got a good. Let me get to my good here, and and to you know now to nearly contradict myself because earlier I said you know I'm not going to be picking any Japanese movies, but I did pick a movie based on a Japanese comic. It is an American movie, and that is Speed Racer from 2008. Is my good. Um, this is a movie that mm-hmm. I've actually been thinking about a, a little bit lately uh, in the lead up to Barbie because I feel like this was. You know, one of the very few movies that got me hyped just based on visuals alone, uh, Speed Racer, you know, much like Barbie. I guess maybe Tron Legacy is also in that category, but I don't know. it's rare for me to see a movie and just see like a still image and be like, I got to see this. But that was the case with this. I remember it coming and going from theaters so quickly back in 2008 that I didn't get a chance to go out and see it in theaters. And I was bummed, uh, but when it finally hit home video, I, I you know watched it. And despite not even liking – the, I mean, I never read the manga, and I actively disliked the TV show whenever it would show up on TV when I was a kid. Really? Just, yeah, well, I just thought it was kind of annoying and kind of like lo-fi, and I'm like, what is this crap? Um, seemed kind of dumb and slow and repetitive and gave me a headache. But this movie is not slow or – or boring, it's, it's you know, so colorful and futuristic and just has this kind of loopy vibe to it that I, I fucking love this movie. It's definitely my sec- second favorite Wachowski after Bound. And it's a movie that I still hope to see someday in theaters. You know, I think they,
0: didn't they play it at the new Beverly semi-recently? They probably did,
3: but I would have had to have waded through a, a gaggle of young people who intimidate me in order to attend that. <laughs>
0: Uh, they're all they're all pushovers in uh, that that crowd. A, a strong wind would blow them away. I I kid. I, <laughs> I, I should not be <laughs> should not be saying such things even <laughs> even jokingly. But no, um, yeah, they're 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 a welcoming uh, that the audience there is a pretty welcoming bunch. I've found. I found I went to a screening a couple weeks ago and they were it was pretty fun. Everyone there was very friendly and. Um, I got into a long conversation about Resident Evil 4 with the girl who was sitting behind me. Um, Maybe intimidate's not
3: the right word. Maybe it's more they, uh, they prompt a depression in me about my own condition. Oh. So, and just <laughs> aging in general, where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm the old guy now. I mean, it happens to us all, man. It does. I'm going through <laughs> I'm going through some stuff this week. Clearly. It's you know it's sprinkling outside. I'm thinking about my age.
0: <laughs> it's all gonna work out.
3: But did you ever see this Speed Racer, Jackson?
0: You know, I'm quasi ashamed to say I did not. And I remember hearing from actually, you know, my uh Don Mancini, the creator of Young Charles, um, loves that movie. And he, he, I think, yeah, well, I think, (laughs) I remember, I think it was around when I first met him, but he he saw it like eight times or something in the theater. Um, He was like a huge fan of it. So, um, and I was like, really? Hmm, Speed Racer, all right. You know, and then just never got around to watching it. But uh, your endorsement certainly moves it up my list sir
3: you gotta see it and, and if i'm not incorrect i believe there might be a second endorsement coming down the pipeline right now
2: i actually i've never seen it what wow. yeah i've uh i've been wanting to it looked interesting to me and i know that you like it and it's like i feel like it has gotten like kind of a, a reappraisal, where people are like, "Oh, actually, yeah, this is like kind of a masterpiece, and we should appreciate it." So, I've been wanting to, um, but I think every time I like go to watch it, I remember uh, like the Matrix movies, and I am like, oh, "I don't need to see anything like that." A <laughs> lot, it. It exactly. So, but I should probably watch it. I mean, it looks it looks very fun.
3: Yeah, it's it's extremely fun. So, I, I think you would uh, definitely enjoy it. I don't know if it's on Hulu or I'm sure it's not on Disney plus, but it's probably out there for a few bucks.
2: Check it out.
0: Interesting.
3: Well, I what? guess maybe, yeah. Should we move on to our bads?
0: Yeah. What is your bad, Mr. Jackson Stewart? Well, my bad, I pray this does not follow me at any point in the future, but, um, my bad was the little movie called, and they, I, I think this is a fairly safe movie to dunk on, but dark Phoenix, the X-Men movie.
1: Oh,
2: I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anybody will fault you for not liking this universally hated <laughs> travesty.
0: <laughs> I like that movie quite a bit. Oh, oh <laughs> okay. Kevin, Kevin disagrees. Kevin chiming in. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I saw this with, the. Uh, a girl I was dating at the time and we were both pretty pumped because, you know, we both love X-Men. Um, and I actually really liked X-Men Apocalypse, which everyone hated and, um, days of futures past and first class, like all those new sort of, um, X-Men films I really dug, but yeah, that one, it just, you know, it's like, you can just feel every scene where the actors are not in the room together. It feels just w- wildly misdirected pretty much the entire time. And like they, they sort of just made the movie and reshoots. Um, and it's just, it, it, you know, letting go of Quicksilver was criminal. Like they desperately needed Evan Peters in there to liven that movie up. Um, Yeah, I just really thought it was like a huge whiff. And, you know, the X3 uh, or X-Men United or whatever it was called, um, certainly not the gold standard of uh, superhero movies. But, um, yeah, it just felt like everything about studio sort of uh, fiddling that I – don't like in these movies. Um, So yeah, it's, it's just, it's clearly a wildly compromised movie and, you know, um, I just can't roll with it. So that's, uh, it was, it was a sad note to end that, uh, that franchise on. And um, I actually was quite looking forward to seeing it. So there you go.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you and, like the X Men series is fascinating because it like while like wildly fluctuates in quality, like from movie to movie, like like you yes. mentioned, like Days of Future Past came out and it's a masterpiece, and then Apocalypse yeah. comes out and it's very bad. Most people feel, <laughs> and then like Logan and Deadpool come out and they're masterpieces, and then Dark Phoenix comes out. And it's bad. And it's like, and it's largely a lot of the same creative forces, especially in like the main, you know, a lot of Brian Singer and and yeah, sidekick.
3: Well, this guy, Simon Kinberg, who directed Dark Phoenix and wrote it, he wrote like most of the previous X-Men
0: movies.
2: Yeah, it's just
0: confusing as hell.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It's like a lot of the same creative guys. And yet yet it varies wildly from movie to movie, if it's going to be good or not. It's Weird franchise. Um, yeah, but this is probably the worst of of the bunch, probably.
3: I never saw this one. I mean, this came out way after I was tapped out on, you know, Marvel movies in general. I mean, especially an X Men movie of all franchises. Like, this would not have been the movie to get me into theaters in 2019. Um, to be honest, you know, I grew up a, a DC zombie, not not a Marvel zombie. Really, and as close as I got to X Men was like I liked the Fantastic Four as a kid, but I I never liked the X Men. Uh, mm. They felt kind of cornball to me, and I, I didn't like their Fox cartoon. Wow! Um, so good to know, I guess, that I don't have to check out Dark Phoenix. I, I liked First Class. I saw that. Yeah, that was
0: that was good. Um, yeah, I I didn't know you were a DC man, uh, Mr. Byro. I'm a DCs man. Me too.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's a great segue because my next movie is a DC movie. Oh, I wonder if it's
3: the same movie that I got. Uh,
2: well, I, I don't, I wouldn't think so. I don't think you've seen this movie. Um, Okay. Also, I, I really hope that you don't have what I think you might have. You're bad. Um, but um, but this is a movie that I know you would not like. Um, it's the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League. Oh, boy. Um,
0: oh man. I think
2: because you don't like Joss Whedon in general, uh, you probably wouldn't like this. And I think that you wouldn't like this because uh, it's just very bad on top of that. like This is like the worst of all situations where it's like Zack Snyder started making this and then he left the project. And then Joss Whedon was brought in to like kind of fix it and make it fun, and not a big pile of shit. And like all the like other Joss Whedon is not a good director. Well, he, um, he's it, not? He's not the best director. He's a wonderful writer. He's got an, a good kind of eye, but he's not technically adept like some of these guys out there. So, <laughs> uh, you know that's that's what he's up to. But um, but it's it's the worst of of all the situations because it's like. The main bones of this movie is like a Zack Snyder thing, Um, so like it's just inherently bad and faulty. It starts on faulty ground, and then Joss Whedon kind of was brought in at the very end, where like he couldn't really do much to fix it other than add a bunch of jokes that aren't really great. So, so it's like you got the worst qualities of both of these guys smushed together, and it just uh, it's very bad. So I, I feel like you would not care for this movie.
3: I would imagine that I would not care for this movie. Um, (laughs) Still haven't seen it. I didn't even like that Wonder Woman movie, which I think is probably the DC movie of the past decade or so that people like the most, maybe, potentially. Mm -hmm. And I I thought it was lame. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that this is bad.
2: How do you feel about this one, Jackson?
0: Um, I mean, I saw it opening weekend, and... To be perfectly honest, I think most of it kind of was like Men in Black neuralized from my my brain. <laughs> um, I remember there was like a clever line from Ben Affleck where he says something is definitely bleeding, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a good sort of case study in like you should have one person in the in the kitchen preparing your meal versus the other, it's like trying to retrofit it into being like a, a Marvel thing clearly didn't work and no one liked it. So um, I feel like it's a pretty widely disliked movie though. Am I, am I wrong?
2: I, I, I don't think anybody on earth likes this. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm Joss Whedon's biggest fan in the world, and I I don't like this thing, so I don't know who would like it.
0: Well,
3: there still, you made,
2: still made still
3: made six hundred and sixty million buckaroos at the box office.
0: Those are some big buckaroos. Pretty probably. big, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, um, yeah. I mean, who? Someone liked it. I don't know who.
2: Ben Affleck's parents liked it. Probably.
3: Well, I'm curious to, to know what movie you thought would be my bad, Bowman.
2: Well, you foreshadowed that you might be picking Watchmen somewhere on this list. So I'm worried that you got Watchmen on your bad list. Because A, that would be heartbreaking because it's a good movie. And b I I could swear that you like that movie. So I'm, I don't know. So I'm I'm excited to find out what you're going to pick. And, and
3: well, nervous. I... I did like that movie. I mean, I, I grew up loving the comic, loved Alan Moore, you know, loved America's best comics and, and everything that he did oh, um, yeah. before and after all that. Um, and like I said, I did love Watchmen. Saw it theatrically, really enjoyed it. I think I caught it on home video once or so, like, you know, relatively quickly after it came out, enjoyed it. And then this past, uh, I don't know, it was like December or something, maybe January this past winter, I, I rewatched it. Still loved it. I uh, thought it was great. Ah, so it's not yeah, my bad. There we go. My bad is the Batman uh, from 2022. Really? Movie that I've, I've probably talked about enough. And, and so it comes as no surprise. And I hate this, but I really do feel like this movie's release may have been the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of me, like completely disconnecting with the mainstream, presumably younger audience. Because people are into this movie. It's very popular. It's highly rated online. It's got like a 4.0 on Letterboxed. And for the life of me, I cannot even fathom a world in which anyone was the least bit entertained by this movie. It looks aesthetically bad, like it was made by people who don't know how cameras work. You know, the characters are all ludicrously low energy mopedopes that I don't give half a shit about. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing fun or interesting happens for three fucking hours. You know, it's just a a bunch of scenes where Batman's like pointing a flashlight around and then like picking up sepia-toned photographs from the ground, you know, and kind of like furrowing his brow at them. I don't get it, you know, and I think I'm relatively on the outside with this. And uh, the fact that the whole world seems to love this movie so much that we're going to get another one of these will always baffle me. I'll, I'll be baffled to my grave about this one.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I saw this opening day and I thought it was, well, I think we've actually, I think we maybe talked about it. Um, the highlight is my sweet boy, Colin Farrell, of course, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. possibly the greatest uh, w- working actor under 50 years old. But he's—he's um, I mean, he's not even in the movie. I mean, he's—he's he's in a suit that's in the movie, but y- you don't even see the man. You know. But you watching that, you don't get any trace of him as Colin Farrell. It's like sure he's under makeup, but it's still just like he's not playing himself in that. It's you're just like who is this? Like it's like it's like a new actor was made just for that movie. And, uh, I really think he's just a phenomenal performer. Um, I, you know, this one, it was like, it it was very kind of like in the middle for me. Like I didn't, it didn't give me any strong feelings, but I certainly respect what you're saying on that, on that end. I I respect it too. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) it, it, It seemed like an odd thing to kind of adapt, like, Long Halloween and, like, kind of do some year one stuff. And, you know, I I really wish they would just stick to, like, one of these stories when they go and do them or do the Tim Burton thing and just, you know, do something totally new. Um, That's not really based on any of the other entries, so.
3: Do you have a Batman story that you would like to see adapted to
0: screen? And is it hush? Oh, well, I mean, that would be a good one. Uh, You know, the one I always thought, actually, funny enough, they sort of did in Mask of the Phantasm is uh, Batman Year Two, where he, um, they did a little bit of it, or, or it was certainly inspired by it, but it's kind of nothing like the book. But the hook of it is, is Batman has to, team up with a guy who killed his parents to go after this, this like new kind of vigilante. And I always just thought it was a phenomenal story that I don't know why they've never touched, but, um, that's one, there's a ton of them. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the, the Denny O'Neill, um, Jim Apero stuff was pretty, pretty top-notch um maybe that death of robin from the was it the late 80s or so death of the uh, death in the family i think could be good although i like the i really like the under the red hood where he comes back as this like brutal vigilante who's you know willing to do all the stuff that batman doesn't um i think that could be really good um some of the early Tim Drake, Robin stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I I, I wish they would put like a teen Robin in some of these movies again, rather than um, just act like he doesn't exist. But I don't, I mean, there's, it'd also be kind of cool if they actually just did a period piece, like set in the seventies, you know, Um, I guess Joker sort of did that, but um, I always liked the kind of like you know, wet Gotham City with these like bright colors and it looked very noirish, kind of like you just mentioned, and um they haven't quite done that in the movies yet. So we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll get that at some point.
2: It is weird that we've had like I mean like almost a dozen Batman movies. And not a single one of them is based on any Batman comic.
0: Yeah. It's like, (laughs) there's no Dark Knight returns. I mean, I guess they have like the animated ones, but um, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Well, I I think we're flipping over now to the realm of the ugly, whatever
3: that means. I mean, I guess it could mean anything. Um, But, Jackson Stewart, what is your ugly comic book movie?
0: Well, mine. It's a real deep cut. Um, I must feel kind of bad for bashing this, but it's the generation X Fox TV movie from back in the nineties. Um, I don't even know if I know about this. Well, it has Matt Frewer from, um, uh, Max headroom and he's been in a number of things certainly, but, um, It basically came when it was just this, like, Sahara of, like, superhero movies or shows. Like, there was pretty much nothing you could get your hands on. That was when I was really into it. I was, like, reading comics every week and, um, you know, basically just had to go back and rewatch, like, Batman the Animated Series or, you know, the new Superman show at the time. But this show or this, this movie that came on in Fox, I remember like recording it on the VCR and I was just like, Oh cool. There's like an X-Men show. And even though it's generation X or whatever, and it just was dreadful, you know what I mean? It like, it was a pretty low bar for me to, uh, to clear something with me when I was, you know, like 12 or 13. But, um, I just really didn't like the look of it. I didn't like the story. It just all all of it just seemed made by people that had no sort of affinity for that stuff. And it, you know the, actually an odd sort of um the main thing I'd probably compare it to is uh Super Mario, um the John Lake Wasama Bob Hoskins movie where it's like these cl- people clearly just don't like the material. And um, I don't know if that was executives or, or what, but it always left a, a pretty bad impression on me.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've been wanting to see this um, like in the last, you know, 10 years or something like that. But I remember it coming on as a kid um, and not, not being interested in it because it was at a time where like there was like 30 X-Men titles and like, I just had no idea what was happening with the X-Men at any point in time. Like it was just like so fucking many of them uh, that I just ignored them. So I, I wasn't interested in this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, generation X seemed like one of those comics that was only created so that they could sell weird, like fold out covers and stuff to you or like weird yeah. Chrome edition covers. Like, it, yeah. I I don't know that that actually had like a real fan base. Maybe it did. I don't know. But it it just seemed like one of those weird. Well, they
0: they had like this huge glut of those that, like you guys were saying, but like there was like Excalibur, X Force, Generation X. I think there was something X Factor, I think was another one. And even like the New Mutants. Yeah. And you're just like, Jesus, dude. Like, how do you even keep track of this. And I think there are at least two X-Men titles going. So, and like, uh, the, like the Wolverine solo comic. So Hmm. yeah, nutty times. Well, well,
2: my ugly. Yeah. Let's Let's hear it. it. This is one that this is a movie I like. Uh, but for you, it could be an ugly pick. um, I'd be really interested to hear your take on it, but I'm not certain that you would like it. You probably wouldn't like it, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. And that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness.
3: What are you, a comedian?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This movie is like directed by Sam Raimi, though he came in kind of late uh, in the process. It was developed by Scott Derrickson, and then he left and Sam Raimi kind of took over. And it sort of 40% feels like a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie or 20% feels like a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. 20% feels like an Evil Dead Army of Darkness movie and 40% or whatever the math would comes out to, a large part of it feels like a like a normal Marvel movie, but it also has all that Sam Raimi shit in it. So as a Sam Raimi's man as an Evil Dead's man, I would be very interesting to see if there are any parts of this that you would like. I think that there would be. I think that there's at least one sequence that I think that you would find very fun. And there's a lot of like really cool visual touches in it. Uh, I think, I mean, outside of the guardians movies and maybe the Taika Waititi Thor movies, it's by far the coolest visual uh, Marvel movie, like since you know, in in years and years and years um, because that Sam Raimi's got that, got that good touch. Mm. Um, So, So I'd be interested in hearing your take on it. But uh, yeah, but you haven't seen this. Have you seen this, Jackson? How do you feel about this? Yeah, I did. I
0: actually saw it. I mean, any Sam Raimi thing he puts out, I'm going to be there opening day. But um, yeah, I kind of felt the way I did about a lot of the more recent Marvel stuff was it was like, it just you know, it was okay. Like there was some stuff I liked in it. Um, you know, I thought the Illuminati sequence was pretty fun. I liked him playing the musical notes with, uh, um, where he was like turning those into like magic spells. Like that was kind of fun and visually very appealing. Um, but, it was another one of these where it's like it, it did sort of vaporize after I watched it, you know, like it, it's, um, so I, I don't know. I'd actually be kind of curious to revisit it, uh, especially with Sam Raimi's commentary because those are always very entertaining. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very in the middle on, on that one. Some stuff I liked, but, did not leave a huge impression on me.
3: I have not seen this yet, but I did see like an excerpt. I, I saw that one scene where Dr. Strange is pressing those demonic incantations onto vinyl. Oh yeah. And, and that turned me <laughs> off from the whole thing. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I might eventually see this. I still also have not seen the, the wizard of Oz movie that Raimi made. I you know I, I will always love Sam Raimi for the movies that he made when he was in his twenties, but uh, it's pretty diminishing returns for me with that guy. Um,
0: sadly, even the Spider-Man three, dude. I don't think the Spider-Man movies are that remarkable. Oh, I love them. No, Spider-Man, Spider-Man three is a masterpiece.
2: It's the best movie Spider-Man ever made. i have actually never, I don't
0: think I've seen three. I've seen one and two,
3: and outside of the Randy Savage appearance, I was just kind of like take it or leave it.
0: Oh man, part yeah. I I'm a diehard fan of uh, part three. Um, I actually almost put that on my good list, but um, <laughs> it is uh, an absolute delight.
2: I hated it when it first came out, but I I don't know if it's that like I've recently sat through like ten increasingly mediocre Marvel movies, but I I like that movie a lot now. I think it it holds up better than than a lot of the snooter stuff.
0: Yeah, I I also just love the ideology that, you know, bad Peter Parker is still is like an emo dweeb. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's just uh it it's like classic Raimi stuff going on in there. And I love Topher as Venom. I think he's he's hilarious. Um yeah, I mean I I I don't I don't know why people don't like that movie. I think it's delightful. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, uh moving on from one legendary director to another, I've got a an ugly pick that was directed by Steven Spielberg. You guys remember his comic book movie? Ooh, oh, I think I think no. I do. written by Edgar Wright. It's a little movie called The Adventures of Tintin oh. from 2011. Uh, and this was a series of comics by like a Belgian dude, right? I think he's Belgian, not French. If I get that wrong, I'm I sure. I think that his
0: name is Hergé.
3: Hergé, yeah. Which whenever I confuse the Belgians for the, the French, I get a bunch of angry letters in, in my mailbox. So hopefully I, I didn't uh, mischaracterize the man. But a European man who, who made these comics a long-ass time ago – that I got real into in my late teens and twenties. Um, they have kind of a similar vibe to the best uncle Scrooge comics. You know, they're just kind of fun, like globe trotting adventure kind of things. And I really love that like weird, simple line drawing art style that Hergé had uh, kind of looks like, you know, like an old newspaper strip or something, just very simple. But then you watch this movie, man, which, which I knew that I had to see, you know, cause I, I was such a Tintin fan and it's got that fucking horrendous, uncanny valley, like I think mo-capped CGI that is not convincing whatsoever. And while I did like the movie overall, cause I think it's a fun story. And I do recommend if you can get through that bad CGI art style, go see it. It's, it's a fun little adventure movie, man. It bums me out. So hard, so, so hardcore that to this day, if you want to watch like a, a Tintin movie, I mean, I guess there are some like 2d and 2d animated ones from like the seventies or something that are okay, but I mean, this This is what you're stuck with, is this horrendous, uh, stuck-in-time CG from 2011 that just looks like garbage.
0: But, on the other hand, it is very fun to say Hergé. True. Mm-hmm. True,
3: yeah. i mean, I'm been considering changing my own name to Hergé.
0: <laughs> Hergé Byron. It yeah. has a nice ring to it.
3: Have you guys ever gotten around to this one?
0: I... Did not. I liked the. I think that, wasn't there like a cartoon or something that used to air on, uh, like Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or something in the, like mid nineties. I That's,
2: think Tintin's like firmly like a PBS character. That's
0: probably where you. PBS <laughs> yeah. character. Yeah. No, I think he. I could have sworn there was like some. Cartoon that I used to watch, and I, I always liked him and his dog, but um, I never <laughs> yeah. got around to the movie. There's a bunch of crazy shit about a uh, Herge, which um, I can't remember offhand, but I, I think he was like a wasn't he like working with the Nazis or something insane oh, like man. that? Don't tell me this. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you might not have been. I might might be mixing him up with Walt Disney,
2: man. First working with JK. the Nazis and then working with Edgar Wright. What will <laughs> this man not do?
0: Uh, it's it's anyone's it's anyone's guest. Um, oh, well, he was apparently accused of it. But that what does the not. Fuck? Yeah, well. Doesn't mean. Yeah, uh, I, I probably shouldn't have opened that can of worms. But um, as far as this movie, though. I've not gotten around to it and I'm not sure I will. It's just I'm I'm not a big CGI head from that era.
3: Yeah, not a fan of the Polar Express.
0: I loved that book growing up and then seeing what Zemeckis. the movie was. Yeah. So I was like whoa, wow. <laughs> That's like just way off. Um, I I can firmly say i will likely skip this
2: i saw this and it sucks it's a piece of crap yeah um
3: did you like the adventure elements at
2: least yeah there's like a couple of fun sequences and stuff but uh, uh yeah i don't know tintin he just like looks weird you know? yeah but <laughs> i don't know he just like, pompadour. Right yeah, He's got that weird haircut
3: yeah it's got like a little cow lick
2: yeah he looks like that little uh like the uh, artistic logo of Conan O'Brien. That yeah. Looks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> kind of looks like that. that. It's very on point.
3: Well, I think that is uh, that is a segment, as the kids in the business say. That is a, a wrap on the good, the bad, and the ugly segment. Uh, we now know what the, the goodest, baddest, and ugliest comic book movies are.
0: Oh, Yes.
2: Yeah, well, let's find out what the kids in Junk Food Dinnerland have to say. Um, oh, hello. I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who either. Of these folks are so. I'll play them without music. If uh, these are music people, I apologize, but I don't think that they are. But uh, here's the first one.
1: Hey there, uh, Junk Food Dinner. Uh, what's your name now? Junk Food uh, Supper. Junk yeah. Food Supper. Now, uh, Parker, maybe Kevin. New guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I just wanted to uh to call and say uh, one, the uh, the new show. It's uh, pretty impressive. You guys made the transition. It's great. And of course I went to uh make a request uh that you uh you maybe. uh well, I've actually wanted to play a request, so I was like was like, Hey, you guys should do that uh, the Jerry Springer uh uh the movie that he did, Jerry Springer's Ringmaster, but uh he dead. Oh was that it?
2: I think that's it. All
0: right. Hi, think- <laughs> what, a, what a sour note to end that on.
2: Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Collar. That is a good idea. I've, I've been wanting to rewatch that movie now that Jerry Springer is dead. Um, he's a Cincinnati legend, much oh, like yeah. Kevin.
0: Big dick daddy from
2: Cincinnati. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that those movies. mayor of Cincinnati.
0: Oh, oh, oh. <sighs>
2: Those movies that came out around that time, there's a bunch of them, where like they would take these weird fads from the 90s, but then put the real person in it, and then pretend like it's real, like like that Jerry Springer movie, Spice World is like that. There's that Crocodile Hunter movie, The Jerky Boys, like there's like a weird thing happening. I
0: forgot about the Jerky Boys movie.
2: (laughs) Wow! Like they would just take these weird fads and make them a movie. Uh, They're fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I do remember that Ringmaster was uh, very, very badly reviewed. By when did it did it come out in ninety eight? Yeah, Siskel and Ebert, I think, gave it a a real, real negative review.
3: I don't think private. that i I don't think I ever saw it.
0: Well, they might have even put it on their. Worst of the year list. Um, Although it, it kind of uh, blows my mind because to put in perspective how long ago, Gene Siskel died, he did not make it to see the Phantom Menace when it was in theaters, which is kind of astounding. It's like, he's, you know, been gone for like 25 years at this point.
2: He's very lucky. You ask me. You really, he really lucked out.
3: Now, the reason that Gene Siskel didn't like the Ringmaster movie is that he preferred the Insane Clown Posse record instead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, He's- i should I should see this. I I have a kind of a a vague curiosity about this Cherry Springer movie.
0: Well, he there's some very funny clips of him floating around, like that that guy doing the Batman voice. Um, did you did, did they ever send you that Parker? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh man, it's it's this it's this nerd who's talking about how his his wife or his girlfriend is cheating on him with his best friend, and he like snaps and he goes into like you know, like Christian Bale in the Dark Knight mode, and he's you know this like probably like hundred and ten pound nerd. Um, I'd say he's a hot (laughs) piece of ass. Yeah, (laughs) you could say that. (laughs) Um, But it's a very amusing clip from that show that has made the rounds on social media.
2: Okay, I'd like to see it. Um, And here is the other voicemail we have.
1: Hey, Sean. Hey, Parker. Uh, Loving the new show format. Uh, Just wanted to, to let you know I really enjoy it. I especially like the, the end of each show when you guys uh, sort of deliberate about what to pick for the next month. So always very uh, kind of exciting to hear your thought process out loud. Um, and I'm looking forward to this week's show about Mask of the Phantasm. Fun little fact about that and my personal history. When I was a kid, my parents were really overprotective and kind of sheltered me from a lot of stuff and i had actually seen a clip of batman the animated series at a neighbor's house and didn't have any context for it and ended up having a nightmare about batman killing jesus whoa um, which is something that my friends and i still laugh about to this day also my parents like like we never went to the movie store but my parents went to a blockbuster and rented a copy of Mask of the Phantasm, and then just just these two adult people just watched it by themselves, and I asked them if I could watch it, and they said no, that it was not for kids. It was the grown-up movie. Um, And, like, they weren't, as far as I know, they weren't watching it to, like, screen it to see if it was okay for me to watch. They just had never planned on letting me watch it. Uh, one more note real quick about The Blob. I know I'm a little bit late on this, but Sean, I'm curious if you also thought about Twin Peaks and watching The Blob. I found the similarities to be really unavoidable, the, the way it blends, like, 50s and 80s aesthetics. Also, all of, like, the character archetypes. You have, like, the football quarterback and the cheerleader and, like, the daughter's father. I think one of the characters even has, like, the same name. Um, I found the similarities to be really, really striking when I watched the blob, and it made me wonder if it was an influence on Lynch or or Frost. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, love the show, even though I'm not uh, the biggest wrestling fan or any kind of wrestling fan. Um, so yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing what comes next. Bye.
2: Thank you for this voicemail uh, mm-hmm. and for the nice words. Um, and I you know enjoy this wrestling free episode one of the, <laughs> the few
1: <laughs> so far
2: um and that's interesting about Twin Peaks now that now that he mentions it I do feel like there was sort of a Twin Peaksy vibe to the blob yeah, yeah i
0: never I, connected that but for sure
3: yes uh, same I you know I, I never really I don't think I thought about it when I was watching it but thinking now just about like the way that those nighttime forest scenes are shot you know with the uh, what's his face on, on the motorcycle, you know, with the, the headlight going through the woods like that. Yeah, that's very Dylan, Kevin
0: Dylan, Dillon. Kevin Dillon, very twin peaky. Yeah, he's, he's a lot like Bobby on that show. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Very cool. And again, mm-hmm. what a great movie, that plop. Oh, yeah. It's I love it. It is top notch.
2: I agree. I do agree.
0: I'm very uh, fascinated by this guy's crazy dream about Batman killing Jesus. So.
2: <laughs> I like this dream. This is the best dream we've heard about since Kevin's dream about fighting his dad. Oh,
3: This is the Batman we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: awesome. Well, <laughs> well, I think that uh, that's a good segue to move into uh, taking a break. Uh, to to recharge our batteries and then when we come back we're going to be talking about batman mask of the phantasm so stick around
0: this christmas for the first time america's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before the bat in an all-new larger-than-life feature film Now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie, coming for a Christmas you'll never forget.
2: Okay, we're back. Okay, we're back. Welcome back to uh, Junk Fudge Litzy. We're going to be talking about Batman, The Mask of the Phantasm, a 1993 movie. Uh, Jackson actually picked this one, but I was very cool with that as an as a, a, the the kickoff to anime, um, which, you know... We're inclusive here. All animation from every country is invited, not uh, not just anime. anime. Um, anyway, so this is a 1993 movie based on the Batman, the animated series, uh, which was going strong at this point. They had just wrapped up season one. I believe this came out between season one and season two, um, but season one was like 60 episodes or something. So it's basically like five seasons worth of shows in one season. So they they were a well-oiled machine by the time they decided to do this.
3: Especially um, for a cartoon that feels like so much effort. Yeah. You know? No kidding.
2: Yeah. Um and it was it was a lot of effort. Uh in my research, I uh I found that they made this movie uh pretty much like the production part of this was only eight months uh, long, which is incredible for an anim- animated movie. Wow. Yeah, they,
0: that's insane.
2: Yeah, they they wanted to put something out of Warner Brothers, wanted to actually capitalize on the success of the Tiny Toons straight to video movie. Um, and so they <laughs> looked at the other stuff that they had and they said, let's do something based on the Batman animated series.
3: We all remember the earth shattering success of the Tiny Toons straight to video <laughs> movie
0: indeed indeed what what was it buster's uh what the hell was it called i actually did watch that movie but whatever it was something about out
2: no it was something about like a summer vacation or something like my summer vacation or
0: yeah that's it with plucky duck
2: i think so i liked plucky duck i did too Um, so, so yeah so they wanted to recreate that they they approached these Batman guys uh, Bruce Tim being chief among them the uh, the creator of the show uh, and they said you know give us a, a straight to video movie we can put out in like a year uh, and then so they got started on it but once Warner Brothers read the script they liked it a great deal um, <laughs> and they said actually instead of going doing a you know a straight to video movie we're going to give you a couple more uh, million dollars. And this is going to go theatrical, uh, but we're not going to give you any extra time. So, what the fuck? So, so they had to uh, put this put this together in eight months. Um, and and they used the extra money that they gave them to do the really cool um, opening credit sequence that is all CG. And also they put it into the, the big lavish fight scene at the end. Oh. Um, that... Oh. Um, this is only the fourth theatrical Batman, um, and really actually only, or not the fourth, but one of four, um, and really only two of them count because two of them are like Fathom events, um, Killing Joke and Return of the Caped Crusaders. So they don't count. And then Lego Batman was the other one. Um, this also came out right between, I think, Batman Returns and Batman Forever, which uh, it's weird that even back then, uh, Warner Brothers was just throwing as many different continuities out onto the screen as possible. But as far as the plot of this, uh, Batman uh, is visited by his old girlfriend, Andrea Beaumont, played by Dana Delaney. Batman, of course, being played by Kevin Conroy, uh, who some people would say is the greatest of all Batmans. Um, oh, yeah. She. Yeah. I think people with discerning taste feel that way. I think I feel that way perhaps. And I'm not even the biggest animated series fan.
0: Um, he's, he's a tough dude to beat. And that. it, but yeah, RIP Kevin Conroy.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's visited by this old flame uh, who's back in town. Uh, we get some flashbacks uh, as to how they met, which also ties into Batman's origin story. Um, which I don't think that the animated series had told that his origin story um, by this point. Um, And it turns out her father got a little bit involved with the mob. Uh, One mobster may or may not have been the Joker. Spoiler alert, it was the Joker um, and, uh, and was killed after getting mixed up with those guys. Um, And then, and then Batman's life is kind of turned upside down as he, you know, considers giving up his life of being batman to get back involved with his old flame and next thing you uh, know he's boning this chick and he he does bone this chick actually um in this pg movie it's very explicit uh you see a cum (laughs) shot and everything it's really there is consensual (laughs) panty sniffing there is that there is that um and so yeah so this is just kind of about batman or you know bruce wayne kind of dealing with his grief and dealing with whether or not he can move past it and be with somebody. Uh, all the while, a new superhero uh, or supervillain or anti-hero is on the scene, Phantasm, who is going around killing gangsters. Uh, so, yeah. So this is very good, I feel. But uh, but Jackson, how, how do you feel about this movie? Uh, you, you're the one who picked it. How much do you love this?
0: Um, well... I am a huge fan of this movie. Um, I like the, the caller um, who just chimed in, loved Batman, the animated series. Um, I actually went to go see this with my dad back at the, I think it was the, it might've been like the dollar theater or something um, way back when. And it just left a huge impression on me. And basically since I've seen this movie it's, it's it's sort of like hit this, this high of like Batman storytelling that I don't think they've really ever replicated since where it's just, it has all the cool Norrish stuff. Um, There's some genuine emotion in it. All the performances are top notch. The story is really compelling. The mystery is great. The misdirection of who, the phantasm is 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 terrific and
3: well um but is it the, the misdirection is one of the things about this movie that i think is really questionable because well maybe well well go, go, go ahead
0: actually oh
3: well they use stacy keach's voice for the phantasm and his general body type yes and mm-hmm. it's like you can't use the voice of another character for your secret character like that's that is a misdirect that is just
0: not fair to the audience. Well, maybe. But I, I did like, for the the target audience of this, I think it would, it totally fits, you know. Um, but maybe. I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a cheat, but... Um, I mean, just use any other
3: voice and I don't have this qualm, but the fact that it's another character (laughs) in the movie, like you are setting me up to believe he's the identity, of course. Totally.
0: Which I... It's just not fair. mm, And then I look like an idiot.
3: I'm I'm talking to my friends, you know, and and saying the wrong things about, and I look like a dummy over here. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, basically... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Well, in my research, I learned that one of the big influences for this, um, in terms of other movies, what uh, in addition to Citizen Kane, uh, they said was Hitchcock, and Hitchcock um, would kind of use cheats like that too, like totally. Kind, I mean, specifically, Psycho is the one I can think of, where you hear mother's voice and stuff like that. So I don't know if that was intentionally something that they were taking from Hitchcock, oh, they, but it, I think it fits with I, well,
0: more. I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, those guys have seen just absolutely everything and um i think they're pretty familiar with those those techniques um i don't mind a good switcheroo if it's effective you know um i mean look at uh look at pamela Voorhees in the og friday the 13th i mean she comes out of nowhere It's like that's like a the ultimate cheat but as soon as she's on screen (laughs) you're you're all in,
3: especially so. b- because we've been subjected to 90 prior minutes in which you see like Tom Savini's hairy arms in the place of what is supposed to be her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was not her bicep wielding that axe. You know,
0: no. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, uh, another thing about this mystery uh, that I uncovered in my research was that when oh. the toy line for this movie um, was released, which you know the toys came out a few months before the movie did the phantasm toy came without the mask. So yeah. it was just the, the, you know, the person who it is, which spoiler alert here, uh, skip ahead. If you don't want to know the mystery it's in, it's the, the, the old flame of Bruce Wayne's. So it was pretty much spoiled for anybody <laughs> like for its yeah. target audience. Anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, although weirdly, I, I, I don't think those, I never saw those toys when they, when they came out, I was like a, total fiend for any Batman animated toys. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's just, I think the direction's really strong. Like I love the sequence. It, I just love like where they kind of put this chronologically in in his career where it was like right at this sort of fork in the road of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I want to move on with my life and have like a, like a real uh, relationship, you know, and kind of like move past this thing that sort of defined me for since my childhood. And when he doesn't get that, I think it's a, it's a huge tragedy. And, um, it's just, it's a very like bold approach to, uh, the material, you know, cause I mean, generally it's like all of our ideas about Batman are pretty set in stone, but I mean, giving the guy like a real, um, kind of like match, you know, and not having it just be, you know, whatever fling he's, he's got, um, I thought was really cool. And, you know, I think Dana Delaney is terrific as Andrea Beaumont. Um, I love all the old dudes as the, the various mobsters like Abe Vigoda and John P. Ryan. And um, there's anyway, Stacy Keach, obviously. Dick Miller. He's in and Dick Miller too. Yeah. I mean, it's like a real, it's a really impressive cast that they pulled together for it. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's sort of like the most nuanced uh, Batman story in any piece of media that I've I've seen Um, even though, you know, I'm still loyal to the 89 Tim Burton one. It's just this, it just is such a good job of breaking and uh, like breaking down the character and um, kind of having him go this route as being something dark and upsetting, uh, which I like that a lot. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's one I've rewatched it several times over the years and it's just always really held up like the art is just exquisite and um I really really think you can't mess with this one whether you're a fan of of old Batsy or not
3: yeah I I never saw this during its original run um as a kid I didn't really like that Batman animated series that much I, I felt yeah I felt like the tone was just too different from the Tim Burton movies. And it was different from the comics that I was reading. And it was different from the, you know, the 1960s TV show that I would watch sometimes with my dad. And I was just like, I don't think I got room in my life for four competing tones of Batman. You know what I mean? And this was just, it was just one property too many for, for me to, to ever really fully get into. And so, you know, I knew about this movie. I was curious about this movie for a long time, uh, at some point in my early twenties, my friend Orion sat me down and said, "You got to see this thing." And so we watched it, and I and I liked it. Uh, but that was the last time that I saw this. Probably the last time that I saw any of the you know Batman animated stuff uh, that I feel like I probably should go back to because it's it's crazy to think that this is now like the thirty year anniversary of this movie. Um, so like to young people today, this is you know. It's similar to like when we were young in the eighties, watching movies from the fifties. Like oh, that's, totally. that's what yes. this feels like for them, which seems absolutely bonkers to me that that much time has passed. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it feels very fresh to me, but it isn't. You <laughs> know, I mean it's like it's, it's a big chunk of time has gone by, um, but yeah, I I mean. I'd be very curious to see if you guys or Sean, if you end up watching any of the episodes of the show, I could, I could turn you on to some pretty good ones out there. Yeah. Um,
3: I, 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 you know, I probably will eventually. Um, uh, But I mean, for this movie, I I will say I'm probably not as over the moon for it as you two guys are. I I did like this and, and I remembered kind of, the basic details of the story coming in. So I wasn't too surprised by like the, the reveals or anything like that. Uh, but I think I remembered in my mind that this animation was maybe a little higher quality than it actually is, you know, watching it now with all the pixels and being an older person who has seen a lot of cartoons. Some of this animation is actually more like Hannah Barbary than I remembered. Like there's a lot of shots of these city streets in Gotham that are, completely empty, like there's nobody walking around in this bustling metropolis. Or sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, you'll catch a glimpse of like a couple people in the background standing on a sidewalk, completely motionless, you know, <laughs> like they just didn't have the time to animate them. And I get it. They were under, you know, constraints and, and all that. And, and I think you can also maybe say that some of this is like limited by design, you know, like they were going for like a Fleischer Studios kind of look. Oh, maybe totally. And I think it also is probably influenced by like Japanese anime of the time. It it doesn't look at all like the comic books of the time or any other really American cartoons of the time. So I, I think that is to its benefit that it's unique, but I think you can also, you know, watch this and, and tell pretty quickly that this was not originally intended to be like a theatrical feature, you know, that Warner brothers saw the dollar signs and they were willing to put this out in theaters. But This, you know, it is a kind of home video level feature, I think. Um, And it, it, you know, feels kind of like it's aimed at children, you know, compared to something like the Tim Burton Batmans, which are so, you know, weird and gothic and have all this outlandish production design. You know, these are kids movies that are, or this is a kids movie that is, you know, I think relatively well executed. Uh, The voice acting is... The voice acting is great. Um Kevin Conroy is very good at Batman. You know, he's not doing he's not doing as much of like the whispered death metal growl that a lot of people do with the Batman character so you can actually understand him, which is good. Yeah. And I, and I love his Bruce Wayne, you know, cuz like Batman is clearly like a sick and twisted dude. So I I really like when he presents as like a wholesome nerdy kind of a guy, you know, like sort of like how Adam West would portray uh, Batman. There's a, a bit of that in Kevin Conroy's uh, Bruce Wayne here, where he's very, just kind of wholesome, and uh, and I like that about him. And, and of course, you know, Mark Hamill is incredible as the Joker. This is the the role that the guy was born to play, uh, yeah. much, much more so even than Luke Skywalker. I think this is his best work. Oh, totally. Uh, and I think, in fact, this movie is a little bit boring until he shows up, which is, it's not too long into the movie, but it does kind of open up with a string of action scenes where you don't really know who the bad guys are. And at least for me, I'm like not caring that much about those early action scenes until the Joker shows up. And then we get to hang out with him at that fucking incredible Gotham's world fair uh, environment that I just love so much, you know, that's based on the 1939 and 1964 uh, New York world's fairs. Oh yeah. Yeah. That stuff is all incredible.
0: Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, like the robot housewife just chopping vegetables and the the like this yeah. little dog. It's it's a blast.
3: I gotta get a robot housewife to make me bologna sandwiches whenever I want. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking when I'm watching this. Um I also really like that scene about halfway into this, where Bruce Wayne is at his parents' gravestones and he's kind of having that moral quandary. And he's talking about, you know, he doesn't know if he has the need for vengeance anymore. And I thought that stuff was, was really, you know, powerful, especially for something, you know, Mm -hmm. that feels like kind of a kid's movie. Um, What else about this? Oh, there's a big WB logo on the top of a building during a fight scene with the Joker. And it made me think that there is a possibility that Batman was, Perhaps, you know, in between scenes, staying up late at night watching the Steve Harvey show on the on the WB. Uh, <laughs> this is the universe where <laughs> Warner Brothers exists, you know, so it's,
0: that's what I would have been doing. Definitely.
3: But yeah, I mean, overall, I think that this is a, a fun little time waster. I think people who claim that this is the best Batman movie overall are kind of full of themselves. Like, and mm. I like this too, but it's it's not as good as the Tim Burton Batman's. I don't even think it's as good as the Adam West Batman movie. It's certainly not as good as the dark Knight,
2: Mm.
3: but it's cool. You know, it's, they do some neat stuff with all this speckled granite in the backgrounds. And they do some cool stuff with like shadows where like people's faces will like disappear into a shadow. Um, but yeah, for, for my money, I think I would rather have this look applied to Superman. I, I don't think that this look, feels exactly like Batman to me. Hmm. Um, but I did like this. and you know, I, I think we may have just all graded this on a bit of a curve where 80s and 90s cartoons were generally pretty bad, especially the ones <laughs> coming out of America. And so this came out and it's like, well, this this doesn't suck like every other cartoon did for the past 15 years. So yeah, um, I give them credit for that. and I'm curious to see, you know, what they did later on when they were maybe under less time pressure to put something together.
0: Hmm. Parker.
2: Well, um, I, I would actually take this over the Tim Burton movies. I think this is better than those. Um, I, I also think it feels more like an adult movie than those. Those feel very cartoony to me in a way that this doesn't. Um, so it's interesting that they came out around the same time. Like they're also kind of similar, like both movies, both the Tim Burton one, the first Tim Burton one, in this give kind of backstories and origin stories to the Joker, which the comics never did, that I know of, really, um, at least up until this point. Or yeah. I guess Killing Joke, kind of Killing Joke, maybe kind of started that off, I guess. Um, but but you know, yeah, it was kind of controversial when Tim Burton did it, so it was interesting that these guys uh, also did it. Um, although I think it's done better here because um, you don't you know, go too far into it. Like really all that's revealed about the Joker here is that he used to be in the mafia, which I guess makes sense. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> he's the clown prince of crime. I guess it would make sense that he would uh, would be involved in crime as an origin. But um,
3: I was relieved that they didn't feel the need to include Oracle in this who I don't hate Oracle or anything, but I feel like can sometimes be a distraction where it's like, isn't Batman, like, you know, smart enough that he can solve these crimes on his own? Like, does he really need to be, like, phoning home every 10 minutes to, like, get more info? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't you. think Oracle was in the animated series, or at least not at this point. You would know better than I.
0: Yeah, it, it was mainly Batgirl, because she... Um, uh, I think Bruce Tim really didn't like that she got paralyzed, so he totally avoided that in any of his stuff up until that killing joke adaptation. So um, mm-hmm. that's, he was just a big fan of hers and then didn't want her to be crippled. So, uh, or paralyzed rather. And that's, that's why.
2: That makes sense. But yeah, I, I agree. She's in the, uh, those really good Batman video games in every five minutes. She, talks to you about your next oh, thing. And it's I like, know. she's <laughs> like, clippy, like yeah.
3: basically she's like the Microsoft right. office. Clippy.
2: Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I'm the world's greatest detective here. Let me do my job.
0: Or and you got those Riddler trophies you got to get.
2: Mm-hmm. Those are good games. <laughs> um, Definitely. But, uh, but yeah, I think that I mean, without a doubt, this is the best Bruce Wayne movie. Like, even if you're not into the Batman part of this and not into the mystery part of this, like, this is the only movie of like the 10 you know uh theatrical Batman movies that treats Bruce Wayne as a character except for like maybe Batman Begins and maybe Batman Forever they kind of yeah. do Those those
0: do I would say but not anywhere near as well as they handle it in here.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, so if you're if you're a Bruce fan, this is the movie for you, I would say.
3: I will um, say I'm glad that they finally found a way to work in this entirely original plot point where there's a villain that other people are confusing for Batman. Whoa. Yes. I never
2: thought of that.
0: <laughs> well, uh,
2: well, it happens, it, you know,
0: it does. It does it, indeed.
2: That's another part of this that feels very uh, Hitchcock, like doppelgangery.
3: I think it's Stuff. also the plot of every episode of well, the 1960s TV show. It was always like, "Is that Egghead or is it Batman?" Oh, I guess yeah. it's Egghead. Really? Like, not, I do not know. Not right specifically there? Egghead, but
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It did happen. We love Egghead.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of a Batman thing uh, too. I mean, Azrael and Man Bat kind of kind of do that regularly. Man Bat um, definitely
0: does, yeah. but it's you know. It's, uh, it's reliable. I think it's a good plot device.
2: Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the, the, I love the end of this. Like there's like so much like symbolism going on in the end that I really appreciate. Like the stuff with the world's fair that you mentioned, like I love Batman and Joker being like these huge figures in this miniature Gotham. Like I just like the visual metaphor of that I think is great. Cause yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always like kind of fighting over the, the, the city like that. Um, So I like that a lot. Um And also that, that scene, they included that where Batman and Joker are like huge figures over the skyline as an homage to Dick Sprang, who would often draw them like that on the covers of his books. And oh. I like Dick Sprang may be the best Batman artist. So I'm, I'm glad that they included Better that. Better than was, Neil
3: Adams. You're out of your mind. I yeah, was well, Maybe. Is- I, my, I mean, I,
0: mine, my favorites, Jim Aparo, but I really like, uh, Neil Adams too.
2: Well, he's very good. I, there's a, I mean, pretty much all the best artists have done Batman. So it's yeah. kind of, the tremendous. Frank
3: Miller stuff's really good too. Oh Frank yeah. Miller's
2: good. Jim Lee is good.
3: Jim I Lee's like that
2: great. Yeah, same stuff, but, uh, I don't know. I like Dick Springs Joker. Probably, he's Ooh. probably my favorite Joker.
0: Yeah. I, um, could, I could roll with that.
2: He's a, he's a good Joker. Um, his two face is good too, but, um, Absolutely.
0: You don't like that OG
3: Bob Kane Bill Finger Joker that looks like, I don't know, some kind of bizarre abomination?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, not too much. Yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> real scary.
0: It's, yeah. I think, yeah, who drew that though? I mean, it definitely wasn't Bob Kane. It might have, I wonder, was it Dick Spring? I don't know. It's, there's, there's a whole nutty sort of, a, um, timeline on who did what on those early Batman books, because it was like very clear. Bob Kane didn't do any of it. And I think did Bill Finger wasn't he, he was a writer primarily. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe so, Jerry Robinson. Oh, uh, that might be it. That might drawn be it. it. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right.
2: And, um, and I also did want to mention that this show is really cool in that rather than animating on white paper, like pretty much every show has done since the history of animation, everything for Batman, uh, the animated series, is done on black paper, which I think gives it like a really cool moody look and makes oh, yeah. the the shadows just like so much darker than they would be otherwise. And I think it's really cool looking. Um, Hell yeah. And... and um. Yeah, I don't know, Joker rules, like you guys said. Like he's so scary in this, and he's like so like such a perfect Joker because like he's very menacing. Like there's a scene where like he's talking to one of the mafia guys and he gets really upset and like the background goes red like an Argento movie or something, and then and you think he's gonna do something, you know, very violent, but then he just like kind of makes a joke like that's yeah. very intimidating instead. And like I you know, I love that. And like there's this other scene where like he's fighting Phantasm and like he's reaching over to grab a weapon and there's like a big chunk of bologna and there's also like a cleaver and he grabs the bologna, you know? Cause,
0: like Oh yeah.
2: So it's like, even when he might be getting choked to death, he thinks of the funny thing to do. Like, I just <laughs> love that so much about him.
0: Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's pretty top notch in this. That yeah. scene where the one guy can't stop
3: laughing because he's encountered the Joker and he's in the hospital and stuff and he still can't, stop laughing. I thought that was really effective and and like kind of scary to the point of like, you could imagine what that would feel like if you just couldn't stop laughing, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) There's a bit in that too, that is so um, funny and effective when he goes, when Batman shows up and he's like, Oh no. (laughs) Like he's, he's like (laughs) starting to giggle like right when he shows up, it's, it's uh pretty great. But yeah, t- I mean that sounds like a just horrendously painful thing to experience. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah,
2: and then and then Joker props up a guy's corpse and then uses it as a trap and blows it up, which uh, is something that they would not have gotten away with on the animated show. They said so they were kind of pushing the envelope here by oh. having Joker be a bit more violent than normal. Indeed. Um, So, so yeah, I think this is really good. Uh, Definitely not my favorite Batman movie, but um, definitely better than at least half the Batman movies, I would say.
3: Did you see on the IMDb trivia who performed the end credit song, I Never Even Told You? Oh, I did. (laughs) I didn't see, no. Well, it's a rare singing performance by Tia
2: Carrere. I did not know that. That is interesting.
0: Kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's so... Yeah, that, that was one, because I remember seeing it in the theaters. I was like, what the hell is this song? You know, because <laughs> it, was, it was, like, so, like, not Batman-ish. But I think they would do these these things back in the day where they were like, oh, we'll just put whatever person we're trying to blow up and give, like, a pop singer career. Um, mm-hmm. We'll throw their song over the end credits of this thing. and uh that had to have been the case on this one. Is this the same year as Wayne's world? I think it was the year after. Yeah. So, I mean, she was she's big red hot then though.
2: Yeah. Speaking of musicians involved in this, uh, the, the, uh, the chorus that does the Batman theme at the beginning, um, Hans Zimmer was one of the session players. He didn't write it. Really? he, He performed, uh, on it. Yeah.
3: You didn't have to tell me. I, I would recognize those signature Hans Zimmer licks anywhere.
2: <laughs> I thought so. I, I did think that you would catch that. But, uh, but yeah, but yeah, this movie is very fun. I, I like it a great deal. So,
3: We um, were talking earlier about how cool Mark Hamill is as a voice actor, but I got another piece of trivia on here from the oh. Internet Movie Database, which is that apparently uh, Hamill went to a screening at a local theater, I'm guessing in Los Angeles, uh, during uh, its release there were only a few people in attendance. And so he asked them to sit with him before the film started. Really? Yeah. Seems like (laughs) a cool guy. Can you imagine showing up to, uh, see this in the theaters? You get to sit with Luke Skywalker.
0: It'd be pretty fun. Um, yeah, a friend of mine did a movie with him and actually here's, here's a funny little anecdote. Um, he met with him and he, and Mark Hamill was like, why do you, want me to be in this movie and my buddy said uh because of the joker and then that made him do the movie because he just sort of assumed he was going to say something about star wars or whatever um but he's he holds this in pretty uh high regard from what i can tell so um yeah and he's he's a very hard person to I, I just I don't see anyone topping his voice in our lifetime, but we'll he's not see. he's not still doing it, right? He officially retired after Kevin Conroy died. Yeah, okay. Which that that was he, recently, right? It was last year or something. He died. I think he died in November. So yeah, yeah he was. Uh, yeah, which it was kind of shocking because he had, I think he'd just written um, like a new Batman comic. But, um, kind of came out of nowhere,
2: yeah, he- well, he came back for a couple of those video games, the Arkham games, and then he did killing joke, right, like I think that was yes. like his last thing um well he
0: he and there's apparently this like new game that he put his voice on it was like some suicide squad game or something, um oh yeah, yeah, so that's that's his last performance, but um who knows when that'll be out.
3: Hmm. Apparently, uh, Mark Hamill portrayed the Joker in a few Batman themed video games, including the Sega CD version of the adventures of Batman and Robin, which was later used to create a lost episode of the animated series.
0: Really? that sounds like I might want to watch that. Yeah. I want to check that out. I think I remember that. Um, I don't know if I played it, but I remember the cover robinson it yeah i think he is yeah i it's all coming back to me
3: final bit of trivia that i had on this one is uh apparently when they reviewed the film for the show siskel and Ebert regretted not seeing it in its theatrical release because they they liked it siskel in particular liked the film
0: oh yeah yeah that that's a pretty fun uh Review too, if you if you feel like actually that'd be a good thing to throw over this. Well, um, you know, in the intro or outro, because he says some very complimentary things about it. Um, he I think he went as far as to say they made a huge mistake not seeing it in the theaters.
3: Yeah, well, actually, I do have one small clip from their review. Here it is.
0: This is the Batman we're talking about here.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, Kevin, uh, uh, well uh, I think that wraps it up then for Batman Mask of the Phantasm uh, And for the entire episode I suppose um, Well The oh, entire episode Or, or do, do
3: you you have no interest in knowing What we'll be reviewing next week
2: No I actually This is the best part from the voicemails I've heard uh, So I'm very interested in what anime feature you'll be picking for next week.
3: Well, I'm pleased to report that I completely forgot that this was part of the show, even though I (laughs) should have known it by now. We've been doing a few of these, and it's been my responsibility before.
2: And someone, you know, reminded us just 20 (laughs) minutes ago. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I think I remembered it while, you know, that voicemail was playing. And then by the time we got to the break, I had completely forgotten. So... Uh, I'm not prepped, but I do know that it is anime. And I've got two animated movies in my mind. And I I guess maybe because you didn't get a chance, technically, to pick this movie. Technically, this is Jackson's pick. I'll let you pick between these two movies, Bowman. Let's see which of these two appeals to you the most. And um, they're very different. But the first one is Tokyo Godfathers which is, I think, is it the only Satoshi Kon movie that we have not reviewed on the show? Uh, he's the guy that did Perfect Blue and uh, Paprika, Millenn- Millennium Actress, Ooh. a great Japanese anime director who died, sadly, uh, at a pretty young age. But we've never done Tokyo Godfather, is a movie that I love.
2: Well, it seems like this then might be kind of appropriate, because this director's work is where Christopher Nolan gets all of his ideas. Is that true? I mean he he ripped off uh uh paprika and perfect blue a lot for inception and right? Like that's like the I thing guess, that everybody yeah. says he likes I, guess, well, I, thought was, so,
0: sure. I thought it was Aronofsky.
2: I think he does too. I think Ooh, everybody does. I think everybody does. I think that there's like there's stuff in Inception that's like just straight stolen from this guy. Like shot for shot. You're saying wow. that he
3: that he incepted some of the plot into his own I think movie. So. Really?
2: Okay. I do think so.
3: Well, before you settle on Tokyo Godfathers from 2003, um, what if I told you the other option was 2018's Shrek Retold, which we, we've, <laughs> well, talked yeah, about, I mean, we've talked about a little bit before in the past, and I've alluded to it. It's it's a it's a fan made reanimated collab film based on Shrek. Oh dear. Featuring the work of over 200 animators, each contributing a portion of the film.
2: Are there any notable animators in there that I may have heard of?
3: I know that DJ Doug Pound is on the soundtrack, and David Lee Behart is also on the soundtrack. Ooh. Uh, As for the animators, I don't know. I don't think so.
2: It looks like they're working on a sequel. I say let's go with Trek. We'll get that... It'll be perfect to get the Zoomer demographic involved in in listening to Junk Food Supper. We need those Zoomers, and Zoomers love Shrek. Um, and it just sounds interesting to me. I like. I, I think we've talked about it. Like, there's like a RoboCop movie that does oh, this. Yeah. There's a, a Night of the Living Dead that does this. I'm I'm interested in seeing how this goes. So I'm I'm down for Shrek.
3: All right, then I, I think it's available for free online on YouTube. I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. So, if you just look up Shrek Retold on YouTube, you'll you'll find it easily, and you can watch along with us. Um, should
2: be interesting. Okay. Very nice. Uh, well, with that under the way, I think that does lead us to the end of the show. Thank you, Jackson, for being on the program.
0: My pleasure. I would not uh, miss it.
2: How can kids find you on the internet? How can they buy your movies? Stuff like that?
0: Um, my... In- Instagram is Mr. Jackson Stewart. They can find me there. Um, Beyond the Gates is still being sold by Shout Factory, I believe. Um, maybe it's time we do like a 4k upgrade and, uh, or something to that effect. Um, but yeah, any fine real retailer, you should be able to get it. Uh, any fine online retailer, I should say and yeah that's i'd say it's downright
2: essential halloween viewing
0: yeah thank you (laughs) thank you kevin and yeah there should be should be a new thing coming down the pipe pretty soon Uh, oh yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: um well cool cool i look forward to that uh the kids Uh, Listening can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash junk food dinner. Also, also there should be a link there to find us in the discord, join the discord and talk to us. It's also, also you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash junk food dinner, where we're uploading bonus episodes and all kinds of stuff. Probably this month, more bonus episodes than normal. I would think even though they're all broken up, but uh, I think minute wise, uh quite a lot of bonus stuff going up over there. Also, hmm. also, uh, you can email us at jfdpodcast at gmail.com. Oh. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, uh, call us on our voicemail number at 347-746-junk. Oh. Also, also, it's 347-746-5865 um also <laughs> also you can go to the facebook and just hit the call now button if you want to send us a voicemail uh to okay well i mean you don't have to um let us know how you feel about batman or shrek those are the two things that we want to be talking about next week uh looking back at batman <laughs> looking to the forward with shrek um also so, also That's it. That's all the stuff. So no, also, no, no, also. Um, So this is Parker Uh, until next week for Jackson and Sean saying, thanks for having fun.